Hi, this is Richard Basri together with my co-host Sina Sulaiman. Welcome to Korosi Indonesia podcast and YouTube channel. Today we are going to explore more about integrity consulting, integrity startup and digitalization in corrosion and mechanical integrity world with our special guest Bill Hedge PhD. He is the president of the Institute of Corrosion ICOR in UK and also corrosion and integrity consultant. Previously, Bill held a various position with BP and Exxon as a corrosion engineer, integrity management manager, corrosion technical authority, and chief engineer for BP upstream business. Let's check it out, our conversation, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Okay, hello. Uh, hi for our um, listener, uh, whatever you are. Um, it's us again. It's really great uh, to meet you, although only from YouTube channel or from our um, uh, podcast. Today, uh, I'm back again with uh, Pasina. How are you, Pasina? I'm good, Richard. How are you? We also very glad uh, today we have... Uh, uh, I've I've joined with uh, Bill Hedge, you know, uh, Bill, um, you know, my a good friend. Uh, we used to work together in uh, our company. Um, as we know, we are in the industry uh, 4.0 era where we see the um, massive expansion of the data utilization into our day-to-day work. Um, a lot of words that we use in our everyday life, like a data science, data mining, and all sorts of data. And also another thing that we see is uh, a lot of technology uh, related to the um, robots uh, related to UAV, um, autonomous uh, vehicle, uh, appear uh, you know, almost everywhere and it's ubiquitous. So for us in materials and corrosion uh, world, we need also to adapt and use this new technology and combine with our fundamental materials of corrosion knowledge. The recent example uh, in materials work, for instance, the use of new technology for the inspection, um, the use of drone to replace the traditional visual inspection method. Another uh, example also the use of uh, non-intrusive inspection uh, to detect corrosion internal, where we used to go inside the vessels to see uh, the defect, but now because of technology uh, and the, the sensor um, uh, outside uh, of the vessel to, in, to de- detect internal inspe- uh, internal um, defect. Another um, example also um, uh, recently, I just read that uh, um, especially in Asia Pacific, they start to do internal inspection for the water tank with uh, robotics. So they so we don't need to. Um, you know, um, put all the water or, you know, to, to de- dewatering uh, the tank, um, to empty the tank, but uh, we can do the visual inspection for the water tank while the tank uh, still uh, in in surface. So all of them is, is uh, you know, advanced technology, but specifically for corrosion, 
we know for quite some time that um, there is um, uh, permanent inspection or permanent uh, corrosion um, sensor that they put in the pipe that integrate to the uh, our control uh, SCADA uh, system. We call it Plan Operating Advisor, which is pretty similar with what we call Integrity Operating Window, where when we have uh, excursion in some of the parameter, for instance, CO2 or H2S, those alarm will be uh, give a reminder in our uh, main control building that you know you need to decrease the CO2, otherwise there will be like, internal corrosion uh, happen. We are going to talk uh, about this topic uh, further with uh, Will Hedge, PSG. Yeah. Um, he is the Corrosion Integrity Management Consultant and also President of the Institute of, Corros uh, Institute of Corrosion or ICOR in uh, UK. So previously, uh, Bill had a various position with uh, BP and also uh, before that with Exxon uh, Company as a Corrosion Engineer, Integrity Management Manager, Corrosion Technical Authority, uh, and I think the last is the Chief uh, Engineer for Materials and Corrosion. Bill also has extensive experience in integrity management, uh, improvement, prioritization, and design corrosion in integrity program, um, corrosion in integrity personal competency, documenting program uh, corrosion and procedure, risk-based assessment and risk-based modeling, inspection, performance management, and also uh, last one that I really like about Bill is technology improvement in the entire integrity management. So I think without further ado, uh, over to you, Pasina, for the next question. Thank you. Okay, uh, thank you, Parichat. Uh, hi, Will. First, maybe some of our listeners want to hear your voice. <laughs> Can you say hello at least, something? Yeah, pa hi, Pasina, hi, Richard. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invite, and I'm looking forward to our uh, conversation. And welcome to Korosi Indonesia podcast. So, uh, can you briefly tell us uh, more about yourself, maybe starting from your education? Could you tell us uh, what makes you excited to, to work in this area, I mean, in the corrosion and integrity world? Of course. Um, Yes, I, I, I agree with you, uh, Pasina. I, I don't think any any young person grows up thinking I want to be a corrosion engineer. You know, most people want to be an astronaut or a train driver or a nurse or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I grew up um, and in school, <clears throat> I um, developed a love of chemistry. So I, I did my degree in chemistry. And so really at heart, I'm a chemist and we'll maybe talk about that a bit later on. Um, but from there, um, <clears throat> my I went on to do a PhD in battery chemistry. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And I often tell people you can say how old I am because my research topic was rechargeable lithium batteries which did not exist at the time when I was doing my PhD. So it goes back a long way. But if you think about batteries, batteries are really a controlled corrosion reaction. 
Yes, correct. And that's kind of where I got my interest in corrosion. And I, as uh, Richard said earlier on, I then ended up joining Exxon into the oil and gas business. Um, and I've been working there for 30 years uh, now. The last 24 years were with BP. Um, mm -hmm. I've, um, I've had a variety of different roles. I'd say I've spent about half of my time um, in operational roles mm -hmm. on actual oil and gas facilities and about half of my time in central engineering positions, okay. uh, developing technology, developing standards, developing programs. Um, I've had the privilege to work in some wonderful places. I've, yeah. I've never worked in Indonesia, but I've been privileged to visit twice. So I, I do love your country, but I have lived and worked in um, Houston in the USA, mm -hmm. uh, Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean and uh, Alaska in, in the USA. Um, and uh, at the end of 2020, I took the opportunity for early retirement and formed my own consulting um, company. And I've been doing that for the last year and a half, which I've really enjoyed. Um, I'm married with uh, for 34 years uh, with a wonderful wife, Joanna, and two beautiful daughters. Um, and my personal hobbies are I like to play guitar, oh. I like to do uh, walking, and I like woodworking, as well as a love of music generally. I always have a guitar next to me. Ah, okay. That's Gibson. Or... It, it's very like a Gibson. Actually, ah. this is a, what I just showed you was a Paul Reed Smith. Yeah, the battery is actually like a, the same principle like the electrochemical process like but as you mentioned it is like in the control. Uh, just curious, uh, how many course an engineer in your maybe before uh, like in the BP when you join the, the company? A lot. A lot. Um, oh, okay. <clears throat> wow, it's I can't tell you when I started because when I started I was a. a uh, uh, a young engineer and I was not involved in management but uh. um, maybe by around um, when I became came into leadership roles uh, maybe around about say the year 2000 oh, okay. we, we, we probably had about a hundred corrosion engineers around the world mm. um, and we probably had nearly 50 corrosion consultants in the company as well so <clears throat> about 150 well we'll maybe talk about corrosion engineering in a minute I, I would say to you that you know as companies have become more efficient those number of engineers reduced over the over the years so uh, mm. now I, I don't think would be, would be appropriate to talk about this now but Richard would know we we don't have I say you keep saying we BP would not have that number of engineers today and <laughs> certainly do not really use consultants anymore. BP do not really use consultants anymore. They very much depend on their own engineers. So, you know, the whole industry has become more efficient. So you use less and less corrosion engineers. Digital business and how it's related to corrosion and integrity management. So are we as a discipline still 
behind compared to another discipline, for instance, like uh, instrument that you know you, the extensive use of the um, sensor with the high touch uh, sensor or electrical with the um, you know um, electric um, hybrid vehicle. Clearly, the trend in digital is incredibly important, and um, you know it, it just provides more uh, tools and more capability for our engineers. And and digital is a big word, isn't it? I mean, it covers so many different areas, and it's easy to just talk about digital without getting specific. But in the mm. area of um, corrosion and integrity management, uh, it, it's clearly very important. It, it, um, if you think about digital in terms of the tools that we have to collect data, it's enabled massive improvements. We can collect much more data from many more locations on a more routine basis than ever before. We can analyze vast amounts of data far more quickly than ever before using some of the smart algorithms, um, machine learning and things like that. So absolutely it's, it's important. It allows something very important in our area of integrity management. It mm -hmm. allows us to look at things in real time. So rather than put it in the old days, you might put a coupon in a pipeline. Mm -hmm. We wait one year, we take <laughs> it out, and then we'd say, "Oh my gosh, things are corroding really badly." You know, today we have techniques that allow us to almost look at that in real time and understand what's going on in real time and make adjustments mm -hmm. quickly before things become problematic. So absolutely. Um, it, it, it's really important, but there are many places that for whatever reason, they don't have the resources, they don't have the people that cannot afford to put those techniques in place. So in, they would, I would say, be lacking behind other, other, other companies, but at its best, I don't think we're behind. The basic principle of the corrosion is, is still there and yeah it is related with our next question that can you provide us uh, maybe some insight what is the essential uh, competency that required for the corrosion engineer and then also because you already start this uh, your own consultant maybe you could provide us also what kind of the business skill that we require also for this one. Uh, if, if you have hard skill, but you don't have soft skill, you know, if, if I say, then, you know, how, how, what, what should you do? You know, when in order to do consulting, you have to have like a knowledge about finance as well, that, you know, the, the skill that you say that the basic is corrosion, but another things that support is digital, maybe business skill. So what do you thought about that? Absolutely. So it's a great question. Before I answer the question properly, let me say something about consulting. Consulting, I think, always sounds very attractive to people because you always think, wow, consultants, they earn big money, they get very high pay, 
they are can work at their own time they can get up in the morning whenever they want it's a much better life than working in a company and let me say that some of that is true but i can also tell you that in the last year and a half in my consultancy some of the jobs i have done the amount of money i get paid by for one hour's work is very high it's very high and it's great but a company will only want to employ me for one or two hours because they want to ask me a specific question so i might get paid a very high hourly rate but maybe yeah. only get two hours work so you have to be thoughtful about really how much work am i likely to get because if you charge a lot of money people want you to be very efficient and very quick mm. so you have to balance what kind of work do i want to do and how much money do i want to earn and maybe we can talk a bit more about that later but <laughs> it, it is a nice life yeah but it's not the same as working for a company where you get paid for every hour of the working day whatever you do even when you go to the bathroom or if you go and get a coffee they pay you when you're a consultant you you don't get paid for any of that so let me ask, answer your question properly now um what makes a good corrosion engineer well clearly wonderful people make great corrosion engineers we're all wonderful people um but in terms of skills um you've got to be numerate and and you know corrosion and integrity cover a vast spectrum of of people from engineers scientists technicians and they're all important and um we could talk about all of them your question was specifically about corrosion engineers so i'm going to talk about that really to be a corrosion engineer i do believe you need a degree you need a degree level education in a numerate discipline you, you have to have a broad understanding of 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 science and engineering it the, the actual degree most corrosion and integrity engineers can come from a broad range i, I mentioned earlier i'm a chemist uh, mechanical engineers electrical engineers um, a broad range of, of of topics is is absolutely fine i would say what makes good corrosion engineers and i i'll talk specifically about corrosion rather than broader integrity for now but i can come back to integrity if you want i think you must have practical experience you must you can't get that at the beginning in the beginning it's got to be academic knowledge but in a career to be a credible corrosion engineer you need practical experience you need to have worked in a laboratory and done testing you need to have worked in an operation and actually touched pipe and seen corrosion problems seen how things are done in the field it, to be a fully rounded corrosion engineer you 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 need those things as you progress in your career as a corrosion engineer there's a big decision to make do you want to be a generalist and know about a lot of things but maybe not in so much detail or do you want to be a specialist where you have a general knowledge but you specialize in a particular topic like 
coatings or cathodic protection or corrosion inhibition. No one in corrosion knows everything. And if a consultant like me ever comes to you and says, I know about all of these things in great detail, <laughs> you should throw me out of your office because no one knows everything. Um, I, 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 think, I think I understand why you get pay high. This is like a very, very high price, high price advice, to be honest. Being old and, and having a bit of experience. I, you know, I'm looking at you two guys and I see two smiling faces. Can I say enthusiasm is a yeah. really important factor. Yeah. The fact that you're doing these podcasts, you know, nobody wants to work with people who are unenthusiastic and uncooperative and unhelpful everyone wants to work with fun enjoyable people so what you're doing here is great look Richard asked about business acumen and yes you need a bit of that you you need to be careful because when people talk about business acumen they often think about finance and you do need to know about finance a little bit not a lot you don't need a degree in accountancy. You've got to be careful with finance because for me, the key role of a corrosion engineer is about safety. It's about keeping people safe and equipment safe and not having any accidents or incidents. Mm -hmm. And once you start talking about money, you do run the concern that you will become too focused on money and bluntly saving money and lose the focus of what we really do, which is keeping people and equipment and the environment safe. So, yes, you need a bit of money knowledge. But Richard mentioned soft skills. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of other business skills um, that you do need. And you two are demonstrating one of them right now, which is you need to be a very good listener. Because there's always more than one way to solve a corrosion problem. And you need to listen to all viewpoints to make sure you have the best information that you can have. Um, remaining calm is a great skill for a corrosion or integrity engineer. When we really earn our money is when we have problems. And often that manifests itself as a corrosion leak. When we have a leak management teams panic they don't know exactly what to do and corrosion and integrity engineers need to be the calm voice in the room logically thinking about the problem and not running around trying to sort things out in 10 minutes remaining calm great uh, a great skill um, remember there's always more than one option so don't get too focused on on um on one solution understanding your business the business you're in and risk what is the big risks to your business that's really important the ability to speak up you know when i was a young corrosion engineer i used to be very good at listening but maybe when i thought something was important maybe i wasn't always so good at speaking up because mm. i was maybe embarrassed or frightened that I might say the wrong thing. It's really important to speak up, e even if you're not right, even if your suggestion is not used. It's important you get your voice in the room because you never know. You may make the one comment 
that someone says, yes, that's what we need to do and stop a big problem. Um, the other thing I would say is you need, um, as a consultant, uh, good timekeeping. You know, when you're working, when you're working in a big company like BP, if I turned up for a meeting as chief engineer, if I turned up five minutes late, people would be really annoyed with me, but they'd never tell me that. They'd always go, oh, that's okay, Bill, don't worry. As a consultant, if you turn up to a meeting five minutes late, you may find that they say, actually, we don't want to work with you anymore. <laughs> and it's not just timekeeping on meetings, it's report writing. If you've said, yeah. I will have you a report by, you know, maybe you'll say, I'll have you um, a, a slide report by the end of the week and a written report by the following week. You must meet those deadlines and your own commitments. So timekeeping, very important. Probably many other things I could say, but I should stop there. It's really good. Uh, yes, agree. This is like a, a expensive advice. Yeah, one million dollar advice. <laughs>
really when you have flexibility i think the tool that we would all say is the most important prioritization tool is what we would call um, risk-based you know people people add on different words at the end of that is it mm. risk-based assessment risk-based management risk-based integrity risk-based inspection it doesn't matter what word you add on the end it's risk-based and and that is an one of the, the most important tools um, that we have. When we talk about risk, when we do risk assessments, it must be based on data. It's very easy for corrosion and integrity engineers to sit in a room without any data and do a desktop assessment and convince themselves that everything's okay. That isn't how, that isn't what risk-based is about. Risk assessments need to be based on data. And even today, people who advocate and sell risk-based software or programs or consultancy, I still hear them use the primary selling technique is, if you do this, you will do less inspection and you will save money. That may be true. That may be true. But to my mind, risk-based is a prioritizing tool. So if you think, I'm going to use my hands here, so hope you can see them. If you think about all the things that you have to do in integrity management, risk-based allows you to turn it vertically into a priority list and say, what do I need to do first? What do I need to do second? What do I need to do third? But you still have to do it all. Yeah. You can't suddenly get halfway down your list and go, right, now I don't have to do it. It prioritizes for you, as you asked in the question, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. Now, there might be a few things at the bottom that you go, you know what, if that line leaks, it's going to be leaking seawater into the sea. I can live with that. If you can live with that, maybe. My attitude was you should never have any leaks. Leaks are bad. Leaks always, if when people have leaks, it tells me we're not looking after our equipment properly. So we must remember with risk-based, it's a prioritization tool, but it's not a tool for saying, I don't have to do these other things now. You may be able to delay how long you do them, make the mm. interval longer, but at the end, you, you, you do actually have to do them. Um, got to be comfortable with your own risk assessments. You can't do a risk assessment and walk away from it thinking, well, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. That doesn't feel right. You, when you finish, you've got you as the corrosion engineer have to say, yeah, that's what I believe. And that's what I, I, um, I do. So risk based inspection, risk based assessments absolutely are, are um are important. That's why, as I mentioned earlier, you've got to have a knowledge of the risk of your business. And if you just purely are a corrosion engineer and you never talk to your operating colleagues and the operators, mm -hmm. you will never fully understand risk. So you need to talk to a wide group of people to, to, to understand. Um, you asked me what um, excites me. You know, I'm, I'm excited by um, a lot of the new technology. So beyond risk assessments, um, well, Richard, you mentioned a lot of them earlier on. I mean, the robotics, 
the drones, to be able to get to places that in the past we used to have to spend millions of dollars putting scaffolding up just to do a single inspection and now we can put drones up there. As I was finishing my time in BP, we did our first pipeline inspection completely remotely. Uh, an underwater ROV, remote operated vehicle, operated from a remotely operated boat on the surface with no clue on the top. What wonderful ways of uh, reducing risk to people, getting better data, and reducing the risk to the environment. We saved massive amounts of fuel by having an autonomous boat that didn't need people on it. It was a phenomenal um, exercise. I'm excited by that. I'm excited by um, a lot of the external um, ultrasonic technologies, both for doing long range UT, where you know, we may not have the highest accuracy in data, but we can at least get an indication of where problems might be occurring on a piece of equipment. And then we can go back and target more detailed inspection later on. But to do long range UT, I think, is wonderful. Um, I love the fixed UT that we're doing now. It's become so sensitive that modern fixed UT is now as sensitive as putting corrosion coupons inside pipe. We were beginning to get to a place, and I think this is the future, where we probably won't ever put coupons in pipelines anymore. Because there's a big risk. Every time you take a coupon in and out of a pipeline, there's a risk to the people doing that. It's a, it's a hazardous business. You need specialized people to do that. Um, and there's a risk that you will damage the pipe. Uh, and have to shut the pipeline down. I think I'm very excited by a lot of the ultrasonic technologies. I'm excited by machine learning um, and algorithms. I've yet to see that really deliver true fruit, as it were, but I'm excited by the direction that that's going in. In the science area, uh, last year I attended some presentations on corrosion modeling at the atomic level. Ooh. And it's really coming on phenomenally. So lots of things I'm excited about. Lots of tools are, are out there. I think it's a great time to be a corrosion engineer. I just want to ask something to build about. Yeah. Uh, about this, uh, I'm interested to to know more about the when you said that as a corrosion engineer that we need to go out there just to check. But I think at at this moment at the current time that uh, most of the corrosion engineer they receive the data from the field, and then my my question is uh, how how do you evaluate that this data is. Uh, I, Uh, valuable or this is data is correct something like that how how do you make a judge uh, judge judgment about that data that uh, we need to you that we are going to use? absolutely um what you say is true i mean most corrosion engineers work in the work in an office um mm. and for example on onshore so if you have offshore facilities or remote facilities um corrosion engineers may not be there um 
that is where you need to have some experience of, you know, what data is good and what data is bad. I, I, I'll give you a stupid example, but when I was a young corrosion engineer, um, for example, maybe doing corrosion prediction work, I would do corrosion rates to three decimal places. It's, <laughs> it's complete rubbish. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, once you go in the field, mm -hmm. you know that at best you're going to get data to 0.1 millimeter a year mm. or, or one MPY, whichever, whichever. I'm totally fluent in corrosion units. Uh, I can't. I can't speak your language, sadly, but I can speak all languages of corrosion measurements. Um, but you, you've got to, you know, you need that knowledge to know what's sensible and what's not sensible. Um, and then as you get more mature, you realize that most corrosion models, for example, are probably only good to plus or minus 25 percent. So actually, <laughs> most yeah, have a very large error, error bar on them. Um, it, I think it, the answer, true answer to your question comes back to what I said earlier on, is at some point it's good to have field experience or lab experience to know what you can really do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, not everybody gets the opportunity to get field experience. And that doesn't mm. mean you cannot be a corrosion engineer. But you should always try and get some field experience because it will make you a better corrosion engineer. To, to know what data is good or bad in when as you were talking about earlier on. I, I want to uh, know in your opinion, um, because you are in the consulting business, you know, um, not in the corporate business anymore. So what is the various needs, uh, services and solution that can uh, related to integrity and corrosion um, example? And what is the uh, solution example that can be uh, bring uh, to uh, become a, a company or a, a, and, and a startup? I think um, this, um create a company in corrosion integrity management maybe in uk uh you have uh, some of them but in indonesia um i i don't think that we have more than um five or six company that you know um uh doing business in the uh, corrosion and integrity um or management uh, related and i think this is really uh very good because uh, this is also an opportunity for uh, our um, other uh, listener if they don't want to work in a corporate or a, as a career in a big office, alternatively they can build a startup uh, but they uh, but still also related with their background as a, a corrosion uh, you know as a corrosion graduates or corrosion engineers yeah it's great great question well look um Firstly, let me say um, there's lots of opportunity, right? We all know, that, you know, from from many studies that have been done, that the corrosion and integrity market 
is enormous. You know, the best estimates are two to three percent of any country's gross domestic product. So there's a lot of corrosion is ubiquitous. It's to find the magic bullet to stop it. So corrosion is always going to be there, which means there's always going to be opportunity. And human beings are naturally inventive and will always find better ways of doing things. So um, there's a lot of opportunity. Some things are dominated by the large companies and it's very hard to break into that. So, for example, um, of coatings and the world of inhibitors is dominated by large companies. And unless you really are going, unless you have a brilliant product that you discover and you're willing to set up large chemical factories and whatever, it's going to be hard to break into those markets. But there's plenty of other areas that yeah. people can get into around monitoring, inspection, consultancy. Things are important, uh, is your question. Let me say, and, and you've said it just now, Richard, um, one of the, as an individual, things you have is where you live, your geographic location, right? Because um, if either of you or your listeners wanted to start a consultancy, mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult for you to get work in the UK for all kinds of reasons. One is the time zone. The second is the language. And the third is the UK has a lot of good corrosion engineers. <laughs> Your a, a person's advantage is where they live. Time zone, language. What are you credible in, right? What what can you honestly do? So look, if you have a great idea and you suddenly worked out how to stop corrosion, then that's what you're credible in and go for it. <laughs> You've got to know what you're good in because people are going to buy your services. So, for example, let me talk about me. Um, I have a broad knowledge of corrosion and I have some expertise in risk and inhibition and monitoring. I'm credible in those, know about cathodic protection, and I know about coatings, but I would never offer my services to design a cathodic protection system or to select a coating system because I don't have enough detailed experience in that. And people will know that, you know, there's no point in me trying to pretend I have that knowledge. They will look at my resume, they will look at my experience and say, Bill, you've never worked in the area of CP. Why, why would I let you design my CP system? So what are you credible in is, is important. I think a good network of people is what you need as a consultant. So if you're in a big company, make sure you have connections outside of your company because people will be very important for you so that you can talk through problems with them get referrals and maybe even get their support to help you on something. And I'd say finally, something I mentioned earlier on, enthusiasm and a positive attitude is very important when it comes to setting up a company. So, 
you know, if you've got a great idea and you are confident, go with it. Other than that, build on your experiences and the things that you're credible in. Thank you again uh, for your time, Bill. This is such an honor and then also, yeah, after having this discussion, I think we have quite a lot of the expensive advice from you. And then I think that that we can tell from the experience, uh, that's that's a lot of things that, that we Thank you, Bill, uh, for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you for our listener. Um, if you enjoy uh, this podcast and this uh, YouTube channel, uh, soon <laughs> to be, <laughs> uh, please share this um, podcast and also YouTube through the link that we're going to post. Um, I hope you find this video useful and support yes. you in your professional uh, life and also in your professional engineering work. If you have question or feedback, let us know. You can send us email at uh, rmbasary at mtu.edu or uh, to Sina uh, uh, at mssulaiman at uh, gmail.com. Yeah. Um, thank you all. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, uh, Pasina. Um, yeah, thank you. And wish you all the best. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, it was lovely to meet you. Thank you for this. Um, have a great week. Yes, yep, you too. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share this podcast to Spotify link. I hope that you find this podcast are useful in support you and your professional engineering work. If you have question or feedback to us, let me know. You can send us email at rmbasary@mtu.edu or mssulaiman@gmail.com. Thank you all and wish you all the best.